Okay, well, I'm excited to be here today. Um, I, uh, if you'd asked me 20 years ago, would I do this? I'd have said, no way, okay? So what you're experiencing is a miracle because I'm up here. Because uh, my, my least favorite class in college was public speaking. And uh, I was fortunate enough to have a retired Army sergeant as my teacher. And he had no problem critiquing what you did. So anyway, I, I have that fear that a lot of people have about out speaking in public and, and, tr and making a mistake or, or saying the wrong thing, but I'm not going to worry about that today. Um, I'm thankful to have the opportunity. This is what happens when two-thirds of the staff leaves on vacation. You get me. So Anyway, no, it's, it's really good. I'm, I'm excited about it, and I know Brandon's at the beach. They're supposed to be watching online, so hopefully the streaming is going well. Um, and just to let you know, I'm not really bitter about everybody that's at the beach today. I'm glad y'all are here. It's about the hottest weekend of the year, and everybody's at the beach. As you can see, there's holes in the sanctuary. So anyway, or they heard I was speaking, so one or the other. But uh, we're going to, I'm going to try, God's given me a word um, about what I think I should share today, and I feel strongly about it. Uh, it's a, uh, a critical part of being a Christian and walking with Christ. And so today, um, let, me, let me pray first that uh, God will clear my mind and help me focus today and that whatever I say will make some sense. So anyway, Father God, we just ask you to, today to be with us, Lord. You, uh, we ask your Holy Spirit would, would translate these words into our hearts where we'd understand them. Lord, I pray that you would draw us closer to you than we've ever been. Lord, I'm, I'm thankful to have this opportunity I'm thankful for what you've done for me personally on the cross, and I'm thankful for my daily walk with you, Lord, that helps me to get through each and every day. I'm thankful for the family you've put in my life, and um, just thankful for a lot of things. All these things I ask in Jesus' name, amen. So just want to tell Brandon one thing. I've got people all the way from Houston to come hear me talk. I, I don't know if he can beat that or not, but anyway... Susie's family's here, so it was a great opportunity to have them in, and, and uh, when they planned to come, they didn't know I would be here because I didn't. Last uh, Sunday, I ran into Brandon at, uh, at uh, dinner, after, at lunch after church, and I said, so, so who's preaching? He said, next week, he said, I don't know. You want to? <laughs> Which he knew the answer to, but I said, you know what, I will, I will. I'll do it. So anyway, that's, uh, that's, that's the story of how I got here. Um, how many people have seen the movie Ben-Hur? Have you seen it? It's a great movie. If you haven't seen it, go see it because it's a really good movie. But one thing I like about the movie is it gives a good picture of how the political climate of the day was with, with the Romans uh, being in rule and the Jewish people who were kind of oppressed by the Romans, and they had to pay taxes, and, you know, they didn't get much out of it. They just got to be alive and, you know, not be messed with too much by the Romans. So the movie, even though, you know, it's, it's not a true story, uh, has a lot of biblical truth in it, and it's just a, it's a great movie. I, I would encourage you to go see it, but um, I, I say all that because when you understand the climate and you understand the Jewish people, and they were looking for Messiah. You know, the, the, the law of the Old Testament had been written and talked about Messiah coming. And they were, but they were looking for a, a revolutionary 
leader to emerge, somebody that was going like what happened in America when, we, when our revolution happened and we split off of England. That's what they were looking for because they were oppressed and they had unfair taxes just like America did. And, and so that was the Messiah they were looking for, you know. We want this guy, this mighty warrior that speaks with authority and makes people run, you know, and uh, we'll rise up and we'll revolt. And um, anyway, so that's what the people were looking for. But that wasn't God's plan. Uh, when Jesus came to this earth, what I'm talking about today is humility and the key role it plays in, in Christ's leadership. And the upside-down kingdom, is, as Brandon talks about a lot, I think it's exactly right that the, the first will be last and the last will be first. Everything is backwards from the way we, even in our culture, see leadership. Uh, if you're in business and you've had leadership classes and leadership training, you know, it doesn't tell you to be humble, most of them anyway. Uh, it tells you to be authoritative and, and take control. And uh, so anyway, um, I want to I give the story. I want to set it up. You know, Jesus came as a, as a very humble person. He was a regular guy. His family didn't have much money at all. Uh, he came into this world under the cloud of, you know, a, uh, a woman being pregnant, kind of out of wedlock, all that kind of thing. So uh, Jesus set this up. God set this up to be totally counterculture from what we would, you would think, okay? And, and he chose how to come to the earth. There's no doubt. Um, so I wanted to, to, to go through um, in, in John. I'll be talking about John 13, uh, verses 1 through 17. I want to read this story about Jesus and his disciples uh, at the Last Supper, okay? And this was a time where Christ was showing them a lot of things that they were going to need to know because he knew he was leaving. Uh, that was evident. So uh, if everybody's got their Bibles turned, and um, we'll, uh, we'll start into this. Uh, starting in verse 1, John 13. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper, he laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wash them with the, with the towel that was wrapped around him. And to what, he came to Simon Peter, who, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Simon didn't understand it. It didn't make sense to him. Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to them, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but, it, but is completely clean. 
and you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was about to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. Verse 12, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do do you understand what I have done? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example, that you also do just as I have done for you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So this was Christ's example that he put before his disciples. They, they didn't understand it because in this culture, the act of, uh, of washing feet was done all the time. If you went over to somebody's house for a meal, uh, it was customary for the slowest servants to wash your feet. In fact, as I looked at this, uh, if, if it was a, a household with means, not even the Jewish uh, servants would wash your feet. It would be Gentile servants, which were the lowest. So um, this, this was not something that people of high esteem did. So Christ took on this role uh, to, to show us that he's not too good to wash filth. And this is a shadow of the next thing he does that's going to happen in hours. And that was to be arrested, and beaten, flogged, and crucified. Because on the, on the cross, literally, he would wash away all our filth. Uh, foot washing before a meal was, it was an act of ho- hospitality. The lowest servants did it. Um, so it was completely out of character for Christ to do this. Because he was the teacher. He was the rabbi. He was the guy that the disciples looked to for everything, you know, for all their instructions. And, but he was giving them a big lesson right now because you can imagine living in this time. It was rocky. It was dusty. It was nasty. Uh, it was hot. They didn't have clippers for their toenails, you know. So these are some nasty, gnarly feet. He's washing, I guarantee you. And, uh, you know, some of these guys were pretty rough characters anyway, a bunch of fishermen. So it, it wasn't a job. It was probably a whole lot of fun. But, you know, he wanted them to see that. He wanted them to realize that, that that's what he came to do. And uh, it was also a ritualistic thing, foot washing. Um, in the Jewish and Roman cultures, the priests and religious leaders, they would wash their feet and their hands before they would enter a temple or a holy place. You know, if you look back in the Old Testament and you look at the rules that the priests had to go through before they even went in, the holy, not the holy of holies, but a holy place, their hands and feet, they had to be clean, you know. Um, as we enter a holy place, we need to be clean, you know, and that's what Christ did for us. So back to the story, Peter, I love Peter, you know, Peter's, He's passionate, you know, whether it's the right things or the wrong things. He's always passionate. He's like, I'm all in. I'm ready to go. But Peter, he resisted. He said, no, you're not, you don't. His own pride 
welled up. He said, you're not washing my feet. You know, what are you doing? And, uh, and Christ rebuked him and said, uh, his response, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. And the word share here, if you look at the original text, can be translated to inheritance. You have no inheritance with me if I, if I can't do this. So um, Peter changed his tune, if you'll see. He changed his tune. He said, Lord, not my feet only, but my hands and my head. You know, he was all in that way now. Okay, if you got to do this, just wash me. So um, I, did, I just love how, how, you know, they went back and forth there, and Peter, he flipped. You know, he said, okay, I'm, I'm in, and I don't understand it, but I'm good. Um, and that's the way God is. A lot of times we don't understand what he's doing, you know. We don't understand where he's taking us. We don't understand, especially when he's taking us to an area of, of, of not comfort. You know, but that's what Christ did when he came to the earth. You know, he, he put himself in a, in a complete outside of his comfort zone place on purpose to show us. Um, in Mark 9, 33 through 37, here's another story of the disciples in Christ where, he, where pride became an issue. And they came to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you discussing on the way? They had been walking together. But they kept silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. See, they, they were starting to feel pretty good about themselves and you know, hanging out with Jesus and all and watching all the miracles and their, their pride welled up and they, they wanted to compete and see who's the greatest in their group. But Christ took care of this. He said, he sat down and called the 12 and he said to them, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. See, that's what you got to do to be with Christ. You got you to put others first. You got to be the servant. That's what he's calling us to do. That's the Christian walk on this earth is to be a servant. And in our culture, it's not something we're all that good at a lot. You know, it's not a natural thing to want to serve people, at least for most people. Now, we're blessed in this church because we've got a number of people that that's what they love to do. Is they're behind the scenes, they're cleaning toilets, they're staying after everybody else is gone, they're cleaning up the trash, and you never see them. And that, they, they like it that way. You know, they don't want somebody patting them on the back and saying, Man, if you weren't here, we'd never get by without you. You know, that's not what they're looking for. And there's a lot of people that serve in a lot of those capacities, and I'm thankful for them. And they're a blessing to me when I see them doing, doing things that they're not even been asked to do. They just, I got it. They see a need and they do it. That's what Christ calls us to do. You see a need, you take care of it. If your neighbor's in need, you help them. Um, if, if a young man, you know a young man, maybe he doesn't have a dad, take, take, take him under your wing, you know? Take him fishing, whatever. Show the love of Christ. That's, that's what this is all about. Matthew 20, 28 says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life, his life as a ransom for many. He didn't come to be. He could have. He could have come here as somebody of high stature. You know, perfect hair, nice teeth, everybody charismatic, everybody. But 
the word tells us in the Old Testament that wasn't him. That wasn't the way Christ looked. He looked like a regular guy, like somebody from Gowansville. You know? Just a regular guy. He blended in with the people. And he, he connected with the people that were lowly. You know, this is the well. And you know, if you've read the Bible much, the story of the woman at the well, which is kind of how we get our identity. And Christ went out of his way. He was, he was on a trip, but he went out of his way to go to Samaria, to go to a well, to meet a woman that he wasn't supposed to talk to by the culture, cultural standards. She was a woman that didn't have a good reputation, first of all, probably. Uh, and it was, you know, they weren't supposed to talk to Samaritans. So Samaritans were mixed-race people. And in that culture, they, Jewish people didn't talk to them, but Jesus did. And he invested time. And he, when their conversation was done, this lady understood that he cared for her great, dearly. So another example. I mean, you look all through the Gospels. Christ was always taking care of people's needs. He had compassion on them. And that's what we're called to do, to be humble, to submit to his will, to, you know, uh, invest in other people. And, and th this, this sermon spoke to me more than anybody, to be honest with you, because I, I have a problem with pride. I'll just admit it. Most I think a lot of men do. Uh, we're, pride, we're prideful in our jobs, our careers, whatever. Those things make us feel uh, valued. Uh, and the truth is, we get our value from, from God. He valued us, not from our jobs. You know, and, and, and when we leave this world, if anybody from your job comes to your funeral, they're, they're not going to say, man, that dude was one worker. He was amazing. <laughs> Probably not. The people that are going to say the good things are the people you helped along the way, the people that you really did something for. Micah 6, 8 in the Old Testament says, He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So this, this thing of humility is woven all throughout the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament. Um, and humility is not thinking less of yourself. This is Brandon. I'm, I'm quoting Brandon Puri here. Not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. In other words, you're considering other people ahead of yourself. You're not thinking about me, me, me. What do I want? What's going to gratify me? You're thinking, what can I do to serve God and to serve people? You know, that's what I'm here for. Really, the only group... Christ had a lot of problems with while he walked this earth was the Pharisees. And the problem was pride was an issue for them. In fact, Jesus called them whitewashed tombs. Think about that. Whitewashed tombs. Something that looks good on the outside but is dead on the inside. We worry a lot about what people think of us, you know? We do. You know, if you look at all the advertisement today, it's all pointing you to, to impressing people. You know, the latest car, the best clothes, the best makeup. Sorry, ladies. You know, you, you want to impress people. You want them to look at you and say, man, that, that, guy's, that guy's cool. So we worry about what other people think. 
instead of worrying about what God knows. See, God doesn't have to think. He knows us. The good, the bad, the dirty. You can't, you can't fool him. He knows it. That's what we need to be more concerned with. If we claim to follow Christ, don't you think we need to follow his example? We do. His life and ministry was never self-promoting. It was always focused on God the Father and the people with needs and hurts. That's what he was all about. When God's people operate in his image, and we're called to be image bearers of Christ, we don't worry about how our humility looks to the world. We don't, we don't think about it. We don't worry about that. Because Jesus didn't care what his disciples thought when he washed their feet. He was not concerned about their opinion of that. The true humility is the key of Christian leadership. As other people see you do these things, just like Christ did, they'll be drawn to do those things. He gave us an example of the servant leader and to pour ourselves out for God's glory and the good of others, no matter who they were, no matter what their status was. Didn't matter. Shouldn't matter to us. I thank you for the opportunity to share this morning. Um, I got one more. I got one more scripture. I want to. One more scripture. I want to leave you with. Are we, are we getting out of here early? Or are we late? We good? I hadn't looked at my watch. We're early. See there. I did. I did good. <laughs> um, I want to turn over. I'll give you time if you have your Bibles. Philippians chapter two. And this, this passage of Scripture is, is titled Imitating Christ's Humility. So I think it's perfect for today. And um, anyway, I appreciate the worship team this morning. You guys did an awesome job. Uh, really, really love the songs you picked today. And um, so if y'all ready, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in the Spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same minded mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. By becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above all and every name. That is the name of Jesus. Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father.
That's what he did for us. I hope this message maybe spoke to your heart. And if you have, if you need to come and pray, if you have made a decision today, or if, if you're going to seek to be a more humble, more Christ-like person, um, I invite you to the altar if you want to make any of those decisions or if you just need to pray. Um, and uh, I thank you for the opportunity this morning to, to speak. Appreciate it, guys.